This is the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. Do you know what your brand's signature style is? Well, I got you covered. Take the 60 second style quiz on our website at collegeofstyle.com forward slash style dash quiz. Once you're done, you'll get a breakdown of who your style icon is, a very cool discount code on working with me and College of Style to help bring out what your signature style is and make it work for you. So visit our website today at collegeofstyle.com forward slash style dash quiz to take the quiz now. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. Follow on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. You can listen to select episodes of the podcast live on Fireside and learn about upcoming course announcements, coaching programs, working one-on-one with Sandra, and new template releases by visiting collegeofstyle.com. Find digital marketing strategies and social media updates on Sandra's Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash College of Style. Join Sandra on TikTok, Pinterest, and Twitter at College of Style and subscribe today to Sandra's newsletter. It's called Link in Bio and you can find it on LinkedIn to learn more about links that make you click. This is your personal invitation to join Sandra's community at collegeofstylecommunity.com today. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Bites with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 71 of the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. Hey friend, my name is Dr. Sandra Colton Medici, and on this episode, I am interviewing David Siegel, the CEO of Meetup. He has a brand new book out. It's called Decide and Conquer, 44 Decisions That Will Make or Break All Leaders, so you do not want to miss the interview. Stay tuned. I'm so excited to announce that the Style to the Nines group coaching program will open the beta group on May 1st. Yes, May 1st. Sign up for my newsletter at collegeofstyle.com forward slash newsletter to get first access to the program at a significantly discounted investment of $300 for the six-week program. It has been created to give you design plus strategy instruction to build, nurture, and grow your social media presence. The program begins the week of June 1st, so sign up right now for the newsletter to get first access to Styled to the Nines. There are so many ways that you can assist your brand in getting your message and your voice out there. One of the ways that I'm doing that is with a brand new app. It's called Amp by Amazon, and I have been putting together these live radio shows through the app every single week. My first two shows were all about workplace bestie music, and I can't wait to continue bringing that forward. So make sure to download the app from the App Store, and if you have something to say, you can do it now live on AMP. They have a live call-in feature that's super cool where you can actually engage with your audience in real time. And if you just want to play DJ, curate your list of over a million songs from so many different great artists on Universal Music, Sony Music, and more. If you are looking to expand your audience, this is also a way to do it. And I love playing music for you. So 
check the show notes for the dates and times of my upcoming shows on AMP. I mentioned spreading your brand voice in unique opportunities like AMP. Another way that you can do this is to be quoted in different publications. Recently, I was quoted in a Scott Clark article on CMS Wire called How Will DAOs Change the Way Brands Do Business? Another article that I was quoted in is by Edward Siegel for Forbes, and it's titled Reported Comment by Britain's Prince William about Ukraine Creates Temporary Crisis for Royal Family. So just think about different opportunities that you can utilize to engage with new and different audiences and spread your brand messaging and brand voice across different publications. If you want to read both of those articles, make sure to check the show notes. Welcome back to the Sweet Bites of Sandra podcast. My guest is David Siegel. Now, David is the CEO of Meetup, the largest platform for finding and building local community. He has over 20 years of experience as a technology and digital media executive, leading organizations through innovative product development, rapid revenue growth, and digital traffic acceleration. Prior to joining Meetup, David was CEO of Investopedia, and before that, he was president of Seeking Alpha. He holds a BA in philosophy, politics, and economics, and an MBA from the University of Pennsylvania. He's also an adjunct professor at Columbia University, where he teaches strategic planning and entrepreneurship. (laughs) If that wasn't enough, he's also a podcast host of Keep Connected, which is dedicated to the power of community. So if you haven't snagged his book yet, it's called Decide and Conquer, and it lays out the framework for decision-making that leaders can use to ensure organizational and personal success. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, David. I have a few questions that I think you obviously have so much experience with business, with life, and transitioning from company to company, but kind of on your own terms, what do you believe to be your greatest accomplishment and what sequence of events helped you obtain it? So I actually very atypically started my career in human resources. And there's not that many people that go from human resources to becoming a CEO, but many should. Because in HR, you're focused on recruiting top talent, you focus on motivating people, you focus on management, building great organizational structures, and building company culture. So I always wanted to be like a culture builder, but I left HR to go to become like a CEO because it's different to be an advisor in culture building than to actually own culture building. So to answer your question, my greatest thing that I'm most proud of is culture building. And what I mean by that is when I became the CEO of Investopedia, the company really didn't have much of a culture. There are 20 people scattered all around the country. And we built the company up to 150 people. We got listed at Fortune's top companies to work for and Crane's top companies in New York City. And people just loved it. We have kept all the people and people just grew and grew their careers. And when you're able to help people grow their careers and you're able to build a culture that is conducive towards people coming to work every day and loving their jobs, ah, it's it's a really great feeling in terms of helping people. And the same thing happened at Meetup, much more complicated at Meetup, but building a different type of culture, a more uh, sustainable culture, a culture that has business and financial discipline so that the company would not be losing $20 million a year, but could actually uh, you know, survive and thrive through the pandemic. So I would say those are probably my top, uh, uh, top professional accomplishments, though 
that was always less important than the personal accomplishment of just being a dad to three amazing children. That is the most important thing that I think I've been able to accomplish in life. And you did your dedication, which I was just like, ah, I love it. And let me just mention, because we're talking about his book right now, which is Decide and Conquer. Before we get into the book, when you think about the future of business, because you have a very strategic thinking mindset. What is, what innovation should we all be kind of looking out for? What should be on our radar? People are not going to become jobs five days a week. We know that people also are not going to be, companies aren't going to be able to retain employees if they never come into the office. Employees coming into the office builds community and allows for people to build those relationships that drive people wanting to stay in companies for longer periods of time. So, Hybrid is here to stay, but the problem is, is that so few companies are set up with technology to actually really enable hybrid conversations where someone who's remote and someone who's in person could be on as equal footing as possible. The audio oftentimes is poor. The video doesn't really work. If some people are in person, some people are remote, the people who are remote are always kind of second fiddle and not able to engage in the same way. Technology is going to change that. Technology is already out there that's significantly improving the ways in which people can have meetings at work that really put people who are remote and people who are in person on equal footing and leverage kind of the values of technology for, for both. And that is going to be the future of work. People come in one or two days a week. Most of the people at work are not going to have their own desks. It's going to be collaborative work environments, mostly conference rooms, and that's what we're doing at Meetup, and that's what's going to happen to many more people. So we should be looking at your company, is basically what you're saying. <laughs> I would love for lots of people to leverage Meetup to, you know, organize community. Yes. Right. Well, so describe your book writing process. I mentioned you wrote this brand new I'm going to Zoom labor of love because every single story that you tell and every challenge and every shift sounds like you really had your heart in it. So the book is called Decide and Conquer. So start with how your writing process and did you have a writing partner or did it just kind of just spill out of you one day um, and where the title came from? Okay, title came from the person who I read the dedication to, which is my amazing wife, Lara. And the dedication was to Lara, my life's best decision, because the book is called Decide and Conquer. And I was talking to her for a while about like different names. We were thinking about, you know, decisionology or whatever the different plays in the word decision. She's like, how about Decide and Conquer? And I was like, oh, that's good. So that's where the name came from. In terms of like the passion that you saw coming through in the book, it's because Meetup's mission is all about curing the loneliness epidemic. And I personally experienced loneliness. I know so many people have experienced loneliness and depression, especially during COVID, that our mission is so meaningful. And when people go to meet up and they build relationships that could change their life, it's so meaningful. I just so desperately wanted the company to be able to succeed because I love what we do. So now in terms of the writing process, it was crazy. So when COVID hit, you know, early March, we all were kicked out of our offices and had to go home, right? And we all remember that experience. And we had our home offices somewhere in guest rooms, sometimes in like the dog's closets, like you name it, we found a place to do it. So I needed something, frankly, to like occupy myself because I no longer had three hours of commuting back and forth. And for a decade, I had always wanted to become an author, always. 
I teach Columbia at Columbia. I teach strategy and entrepreneurship there, and it's very meaningful to me. And a lot of professors enjoy writing books. But the problem was that I didn't want to write like your typical boring like business textbook, like we have the five things or whatever it is, and like you know research driven that wasn't what i wanted i wanted crazy stories and the fortunate thing was being owned by adam newman and we work created this insane experience of stories of taking over a company under the culture of WeWork, having the company get sold out of WeWork and then running a meetup when you couldn't meet up in person during the pandemic it was so crazy that i kid you not the book poured out of me. I wrote, I'm not kidding, 75,000 words in about two months. It was like just wow. typing, like I, I would just wake up in the morning at like six, six, seven o'clock, go to the computer, and then just spend like two hours typing straight all these different things, and then go on with the rest of my day. And I did that for a couple of months, and it just poured out of me. And then I, most people to get a publisher, you have to find a book agent. And a book agent takes you around to publishers and you have to write a, a table of contents. And you have to write like your first chapter. It's a whole process. I was like, I already wrote my book. So I can't do that process. It's like more work to try to do that process. So I just reached out to a bunch of friends who wrote books. One of them introduced me to HarperCollins publisher. I sent him this manuscript with like grammatical errors and like misspell, just like, you know, just stream of consciousness writing. And he was just like, this is good. Let's do it. And that was it. So uh, HarperCollins became the publisher. And then, you know, then there's a whole process of like editing and editing and copy editing and cover design. But it, it just it just literally birthed out of me in a very fast period. It's like that excruciating process of um, knowing that one word you could like hang on it for for so long. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. Well, so when you are you have this framework in the book and you really kind of go step by step, like you said in the very beginning of the book, you keep coming back to be kind. And as a CEO, you know, in the last few months, we've seen a lot of people not be so kind, right? You know, people laying off hundreds on Zoom or via Zoom, and then taking really great salaries for themselves. So there's this kind of divide, I think, between what is proper and good for a business, right? The health of a business and what is good for the employee, right? And for the culture, like you said, and building up a culture of one trust, right? And being able to find yourself, not necessarily, because I've, I've seen a lot of people on like LinkedIn say, your company is not your best friend. Like don't treat your job like your family because they're not your family because they could fire you, right? So when you come to those parts, because technically you're an employee too, and you have said in your book, like you got fired once, right? <laughs> so Actually, actually twice. Well, twice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? um, so how do you negotiate that as a CEO? <sighs> so number one is, it's so sad out there, the cult of the CEO, and people look at the Steve Jobs of the world and the Jeff Bezos of the world and the Richard Branson of the world and the Elon Musk, and they say, you need to be an asshole to be able to like be successful. And you know, that's just not true. The number of assholes who have been fired as CEOs is a mile long. You don't need that to be successful. Unfortunately, there's this perception that that's what you need to be because of this cult of these famous tech CEOs. More often than not, a CEO or any leader is someone who people are attracted to want to work with, to want to, to, to admire, 
to be mentored by, who they trust. At the end of the day, everything like you referenced comes down to trust. In the book, I referenced a conversation I had with Jack Welch, who won the best manager of the century, of the 20th century by Time Magazine, former CEO of General Electric. I sat down with him for about half an hour and I said, you won the best manager ever. What is your secret? And he said, it's all about building trust. Best way to build trust is through transparency. Be a transparent leader and be a kind leader. And the more that you're, and there's a difference between being kind and being nice, which I'll get, get into and now as well. More often than not, a lot of leaders don't want to hurt people's feelings. They don't want people to feel bad. Oh, I can't let go of this person. It's not good. Well, the person might be struggling and not happy in their job. Is it nice to let them keep struggling? Or is it actually a kind thing to do to say, hey, this may not be the right place for you. We've given you constructive feedback. I want you to start looking for another opportunity. That's actually what's kind. So taking a different approach, being nice is very different than being kind. And the higher priority is being kind than being nice. So I'm really glad you brought it up. And I think that it is true of many successful leaders. They're just not in the news and the media, you know, as often, but it's also what's sustainable because your reputation matters. And at Meetup, for example, we brought in dozens of people that have worked for me in the past because I have that kind of relationship and there's that trust and respect. Well, if you don't have that, you're not, you're, gonna, you're not gonna be able to bring you know people in from one place to another. That's another reason why kind and, and, and building trust work is just good business. And that's kind of really important. It is really important, especially in these times. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I feel like we all are kind of like, I just wish he would have said what he meant. And, and I, in your book, you, you actually talk about giving advice to, I think a C-level executive about their executives. And should I do that? Will my reputation look a certain way if I'm telling him like it is, you know, and, and that, that you did it, you know, and, and then two people were out, you know, months after that happened. Right. So being able to speak your mind and tell your truth is very important. And it is different than being nice. In as respectful a way as possible. Sometimes people take transparency too often too. They're like, Hey, I was just being overly transparent. And like, I was just being open and honest. Like, isn't that what I should be? No, you need, you need to be open and transparent and honest, but you also need to be kind and respectful. You need to make sure, and you can't, but you also don't want to be kind and respectful and not transparent. Those two things, it's hard to do both of them at the same time, but if you're able to nail down being very kind and also transparent, it comes down to like your perspective as a leader. If your goal as a leader is to say, my job is solely to support and enable the success of everyone who works for me full stop. And if everyone who works for me becomes successful in what they're doing in their jobs, then guess what? I'm successful and that's it. It's not about me. It's just enabling their success. And the way you'll enable the success is constructive feedback done the right way in a development kind of way. And, you know, it goes back to the HR background, like we talked about earlier, right? Exactly. Well, so last two questions are, yeah. you shared challenging decisions in your book um, regarding the sale of Meetup. I want a lot of our listeners, because I've had conversations on the podcast about uh, the metaverse and Web3, and what does this do for your business? How do you shift or incorporate this newness that a lot of people just don't know what it is into your business model? Yeah, so it was a big controversy even to start allowing Zoom Meetup groups. 
Meetup had always been in person to such an extent that our founder at one point, Scott Heiferman, took a sledgehammer to a VR device and said, we will destroy VR. We are not about technology. We're about in person, in person. And when COVID hit, we had to pivot and move to online because it was not about in person or online. It was about connecting. And that was the way to connect. So I think naturally, when you're so focused on in-person, in-person is really important. It's like in our DNA, like Paleolithic and Neolithic man and cavemen survived literally because they were in community. If they weren't hunters and gatherers together, then they would not have survived. They were on their own. So it's deeply in our DNA for hundreds of thousands of years that we need the in-person and need the community. But at the same time, you have to evolve and understand that you have to be where people are at. So we use technology oftentimes to get people off of technology, but we use technology to build community. So will we be in the future? Right now, we're about 75% in person and 25% online. Obviously, during COVID, it was like 95% online and 5% in person. But in the future, it's probably going to be you know, 60, 70% in person. 10, 20%, let's say online. And then 10, 20% will be Web3, uh, Metaverse, and those types of community connections, which are really important because that's where the people are going to be. So we need to be where the people are going to be because it's about connections. It's not just about IRL. Right, it isn't about IRL for a lot of people. And those communities will build themselves technically. So, you know, the interest generation will be there. How has your work teaching at Columbia University informed your leadership style? I am so fortunate to be able to teach. And it's funny, I don't normally talk about my wife this much, but but at one point, seven, eight years ago, my wife said to me, what do you want to do when you want to retire? And I said, I want to be a professor, university professor. And she said, why are you waiting until you retire then? Do it now. I'm like, yeah. So I've been teaching at Columbia, I teach strategy and entrepreneurship there. And I have 60, 70 students each semester. And it is such a joy. What it does for me as a CEO is I talk about concepts. We talk about concepts around leadership or concepts around entrepreneurship, or we, we, we learn the lean startup methodology around t building minimum viable products. And I'll talk about it in class. And then I'll drive home out at the end of class, take a train home. Be like, I'm not incorporating those things into Meetup right now. Like I'm talking about these things being important. So it has happened dozens and dozens of times that I'll talk about concepts in class and realize that I'm not actually implementing those same exact things at, at, at my work. And we'll end up making decisions and prioritize different things at work because I'm taking things from the back of my head and bringing them to the front of the head, which is just really great because it's easy to forget some basic type concepts that you'll learn about you know, in a strategy or entrepreneurship class. So I do believe that being a professor makes me a better CEO. And I also believe that when you're a CEO and you're practical and you're actually running a company, you have practical examples that can make for a lot more interesting being a professor than just a pure research-based type professor. So I think it's, they complement each other extremely well. And I think both sides make it better. So I'm just really lucky to have the opportunity. Yes. I mean, it does make sense that you would take one and then just bring it right over to the other. Will you write another book? I will certainly write another book if I feel like I have interesting enough material that the universe says should be out there in the world. Right now, I put my heart, my soul, my every ounce of energy into the first book. And I guess I have to live another kind of 
crazy experiences, you know, for that second book. And in some ways, I kind of hope I don't have another book because I'm not sure if I want to have gone through those experiences, you know, some insane experiences kind of again in the future. But hey, life is an amazing thing. Man plans and God laughs. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the future has, you know, in store, you know, for the next 50 years of my life. We'll see if a book is one of them. Nice. Well, I want you to write a book about all of the weekly activities you Im implemented for your workers. I, really I, racist. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. You can't even imagine. It I was think that would so be hilarious if you wrote oh, like. Actually, that would be fun. I mean, literally we had a hundred, like you know, everything from, you know, your typical, you know, hold an egg on a spoon and run back and forth and do those things to, you know, a giant vat of water that you have to take, you know, a cup and who could pass the cup and pass the water things to, you know, tons of food around who eats the food the fastest, uh, like all the food, you know, food eating races to yeah. scavenger hunts around the city to try to find certain things in garbages to come back to the city with banana peels. Oh, <laughs> and we did every, it was crazy. It was so much fun. That's the next Dodgeball <laughs> with like, with paper, with paper things and throwing papers at each other. It was you a good time. Like you had a lot of fun. See, if you have that kind of like joy, I think you would, it would, it, it might be a kid's book. It could be a kid's book. <laughs> yeah, it could but, be a kid's book. But that, that's so funny you called that out. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Sandra. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltamedici.com. Include in the subject line, be a sponsor.